The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Twelve hours after his dramatic campaign statement to shut out Muslims, until the United States government can figure out what to do with the terrorists that are coming into our nation. He's doubled down on that, and reportedly when he spoke with uh, Chris Como at CNN, he said, we're at war. Get it through your head. I read that and immediately began to think about we who call ourselves Christians. We need to get it through our heads that we are at war. We're not at war with Muslims. We're not at war with the United States government. We are at war with the dragon, the devil, Apollyon. We are at war with the god Baal. We are at war with every manifestation of darkness and hate that comes rushing at us. And we need to wake up and understand the war has engaged, whether you have engaged in the war or not. And if you have not, you will be a casualty of that war. You will be swept away. Let me read for you Revelation 17. Oh, and by the way, I am most concerned for those who consider themselves to be saved and consider themselves to be on the way to heaven, but still walk freely in the ways of darkness, who still pursue the things of this world, who still sit and engage in watching the professional sports and all the other wickedness of our age, who now are caught up in all of the holidays, who are constantly shopping, who are constantly involved with scheming and human effort. We're at war. There is a powerful enemy who is seeking to destroy you. And he holds many of you captive today. Captive in a seeker-sensitive church. Captive to the entertainment of the church. Captive to to the concerts and the plays. Captive to the casualness. Not dealing with sin. But sitting comfortably in your beliefs but living like the world. Some of you do not know anything about the struggle for righteousness. You engaged for a short time, perhaps, to try to improve your life, and when you got tired of that, you withdrew and said, I might as well just go along to get along. You did not want to offend anyone. Some of you love Santa Claus much more than you love Jesus Christ. You love Christmas more than you love Jesus. Chapter 18 in the book of Revelation. I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority. And the earth was illuminated by his splendor. And with a mighty voice he shouted, 
fallen. Fallen is Babylon the Great. She has become a home for demons and a haunt for every evil spirit, a haunt for every unclean and detestable bird. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. And then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she has given. Pay her back double for what she has done. Mix her a double portion from her own cup. Give her as much torture and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. In her heart she boasts, I sit as a queen, I am not a widow, and I will never mourn. Therefore in one day her plagues will overtake her, death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire. For mighty is the Lord God who judges her. When the kings of the earth, who committed adultery with her and shared her luxury, see the smoke of her burning, they will weep and mourn over her. Terrified at her torment, they will stand far off and cry, Woe! Woe, O great city, O Babylon, city of power! In one hour your doom has come. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore, cargoes of gold and silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linen, purple silk, scarlet cloth, every sort of citron wood and articles of every kind made of ivory and costly wood and bronze and iron and marble, cargoes of cinnamon and spice of incense and myrrh and frankincense, of wine and olive oil, of fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, and carriages, and bodies and souls of men. They will say, the fruit you long for is gone from you. All your riches and splendor have vanished, never to be recovered. The merchants who sold these things and gained their wealth from her will stand far off, terrified at her torment. They will weep and mourn and cry, Woe, woe, O great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and glittering with gold and precious stones and pearls in one hour. Such great wealth has been brought to ruin. Every sea captain, all who travel by ship, the sailors and all who earn their living from the sea will stand far off. When they see the smoke of her burning, they will exclaim, Was there ever a city like this great city? They will throw dust on their heads and with weeping and mourning cry out, Woe, woe, O great city, where all who had ships of the sea became rich through her wealth. In one hour she has been brought to ruin. Rejoice over her, O heaven. Rejoice, saints and apostles and prophets. God has judged her for the way she has treated you. Revelation 18. Well, who is Babylon? I could make a very logical argument that Babylon is Rome. I was taught as a child that the Roman Catholic Church will be destroyed. I could make probably a stronger argument that America is Babylon. And more specifically, 
the great city of New York, but extending throughout the land. I could make an argument that this great city being described here is the city of London, the very center of the world's banking. I could also make an argument that Saudi Arabia is the great Babylon and that Saudi Arabia will be utterly burned and destroyed. Each of these that I've just named have traded in the bodies of men and women. Each of these have fostered wickedness and darkness. Each has fostered the illusion that money is everything. Each has been filled with dishonesty, wickedness, pride. Each has caused immense and great suffering in the world, preying upon the most innocent and the most powerless. Which is Babylon? I don't know. But I do know that we are at war. And we need to get it in our heads that Christians are at war with the powers of darkness. No, we don't use the weapons of swords, bows, cannons, guns. Rifles, shotguns. We don't use the weapons of this world. We use the heavenly weapons to tear down strongholds. Because our enemy is found in heavenly places. Our enemy is in the spirit realm. But is more real than the physical realm. And we must come to terms with the war that we must be engaged in. Jesus was very clear to us in the book of Revelation. Let me turn to it quickly. In the book of Revelation, it says, I counsel you, buy from me gold refined in the fire, in other words, there's a fire to go into for every Christian if he is going to come out like gold. There must be a deliberate decision on our part to make a decision that we will trust Jesus Christ and that we will not do for ourselves, but we will allow him to bring forth in our lives the glorious victory over everything of this world. He also wrote that we should buy the white clothes to wear. These are the righteous actions of the saints as we recognize we are at war and we must turn from the ways of this world and we must be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. We serve a God who is holy, who is just, who is righteous. We too must turn. One more passage of Scripture. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Jesus has just said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Many today stand as Peter did, opposing the work of Jesus in humbling the heart, causing men and women to get serious about Jesus and repent and turn from their sins. Many pastors today stand preaching a gospel that you can continue to walk in rebellion against God and all you'll miss are a few rewards when you meet with Jesus. Jesus would say to many of us who are pastors today, Get behind me, Satan. 
You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. I don't want to ever have to hear Jesus say that to me. Just the opposite. I want him to say to me, Come, you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Now enter in. Matthew 16, verse 24 It continues, then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. There are some who say, all you need to do is say, Jesus, I repent of my sin and I accept you. That's not what Jesus said. He said, if you would come after me, deny yourself. Say no to your flesh. Take up your cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? What are you willing to give for your soul? What are you willing to give? Are you willing to give being comfortable for your soul? Are you willing to give temporary, sentimental assent to lying doctors, doctrines, For the sake of your soul? Will you sell your soul to be a happy Christian? Will you sell your soul so you don't have to spend nights in prayer? Or overcome, as Jesus said in every one of the churches, the seven churches of Revelation? He said, if you overcome, that means there is a war, there is a battle you must engage in. You're not going to coast into heaven. No one will find themselves in heaven by accident. But most who go to hell will be there by accident. Not knowing that the choices they were making were choices for death. And so the casual the laid-back, the lukewarm, the cold-hearted, you'll find yourself shut out of the kingdom of God. I come desperately desiring your salvation, desperately struggling in the prayer closet for you, struggling on this radio broadcast to know how to speak to you with great kindness and mercy and yet with the honest judgments of God against sin. I don't want to ever come to this mic and preach my own anger or disappointment. I want always to come preaching the mercy and grace of God, but at the same time, confronting you with the reality of God's judgment and recognize that if you are walking in the way of this world and in the way of the modern church, you are lost. You may not know it, you may deny it, But if you will determine in your heart to get right with Jesus, if you will lay down all of the things of pride, you will begin to see your true condition before God. And may I say, you will be terrified. There is a veil over the eyes of the church in America. That veil has been ripped away from many in China who suffer for the cause of Jesus Christ, who give up their homes, who give up everything for the sake 
of being faithful to Jesus. The veil has been ripped away in Saudi Arabia among the Muslims where you either convert or they want to kill you. What will it take here for the veil to be ripped away from our eyes? If we are Babylon, and there's a very good possibility that America is the fullness of Babylon, then this nation will be burned. Famine will come to America. The Holy Spirit has been saying to me, great tribulation is coming upon America. And I've been crying out and saying, Oh God, as you bring your judgments, let it be unto repentance in America and not unto destruction. I love America with all of my heart. America is without a doubt the greatest, grandest nation that has ever existed on the earth. We are a very, very blessed and special people, not because of us, but because of the blessing of God, because of what our forefathers wrote into the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, because of the government that was established, a limited government, not a nanny government, where there was freedom over the land. And today we have lost Government has grown into a huge octopus, putting its tentacles into every part of every person's life, stealing through taxation, stealing in many different ways from the American people. Breaks my heart. There must be a return to godliness, or the full judgments of God will come upon us. There must be a casting off of all sense of entitlement. There is required a great upwelling of hunger for Jesus, of turning from the way of darkness, turning from the entertainment and the foolishness that keeps us happy as we die. We must turn away and weep before the Lord for our nation. We must turn away from the Kardashians and the Redskins and the NASCAR. We must turn away from the lust for money. We must turn away from anger and rage against each other and against God. We must repent Now is the time. We are at the last hour for America. The judgments of God have been pronounced against us. Will those judgments result in our destruction, or will they result in our repentance and a returning to our first love? What are you willing to give in exchange for your soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels and with his reward for each person according to what he has done. Over and over through the scriptures, Jesus disagrees with the modern church's lies that all you need to do is say, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. Jesus, I repent of my sins, and now I'm good to go. No, there must be real righteousness brought into our lives as a free gift from Jesus Christ. We must be made righteous. We must become a holy people. Not by legalism, but by faith in the blood of Jesus. We must have imparted to us real righteousness. We've got to turn from the way of darkness and walk anew in righteousness before Jesus. This will not happen without prayer meetings being reestablished. 
This will not happen without confession. This will not happen without a humbling of our hearts and doing away with the worship service as usual. We must turn away. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth. Some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And then very quickly Jesus goes into the Mount of Transfiguration and the disciples see the glory of God. Jesus is real. Jesus is real. He's coming in power. Now I want to share with you today from Pilgrim's Progress. You're listening to Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for listening today. Invite a friend to listen as well. I want to share with you a bit from this book, Pilgrim's Progress, written by John Bunyan, 1678. This is the old-timer. It is hard. It is a hard thing for a man to go down into the valley of humiliation. And that is where you are headed. It is difficult to go down the hill of humiliation without slipping and falling. Once he was in the valley of humiliation, poor Christian was immediately put to the test. You will never be put to the test, and you will never become righteous if you do not go down the hill into the valley of humiliation. God can only do his work in our hearts in the valley of humiliation. None of us willingly want to go to that place. And we must decide, will we turn back from this Christian walk and settle into some cultural identity as Christians, which is what most of America has done? or whether we will take up the cross and follow Jesus and go down into that valley of humiliation. Poor Christian was immediately put to the test. He'd not gone very far before he spied a foul demon coming over the field to meet him. His name was Apollyon. Christian was afraid and struggled in his mind to know what he should do. Should he go back? Should he go back to the city of destruction? Or should he stand his ground? Every one of you have to make that decision. There is a broad way and there is a narrow way. The Broadway is lined with beautiful churches. But there is also a narrow way. It is the way of humiliation. It is the way of repentance. It is the way of being made righteous by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Christian thought about what he should do. He realized that he had no armor for his back and that turning and running would give the enemy an easy target for his darts. Many who have come to the National Prayer Chapel have finally come to the conclusion that it's too expensive to follow Jesus. It's too hard to do this work of repentance and so they have turned and left the prayer chapel. Most of them have shipwrecked their faith. Because as they turned away, the darts of pride and arrogance, the darts of self-sufficiency, the darts of ambition, 
have struck them in the back. And they have gone after the lust of their heart. Christian decided that standing his ground would give him the best chance of surviving Apollyon's attack. So Christian went forward, and Apollyon met him. Now the monster was hideous to behold. He was clothed with scales like a fish. And Bunyan added the note, the scales represent, in the allegory, the devil's pride. The devil's pride. This is one of the first things that Jesus must deal with. He must deal with our pride. And he must cause us to begin to take actions to turn away from our pride. That's why it's called the valley of humiliation, because that's where pride is dealt with. Until our pride is dealt with, we will never come out of Babylon. He had wings like a dragon, feet like a bear, a belly with fire and smoke and a mouth of a lion. And he advanced on Christian. He viewed him with a disdainful look. And then he began to question him. Let these questions from Apollyon rest also on your mind and answer them as you hear them. Where did you come from? Where are you bound? Where are you going? Please answer the question, where did you come from? Are you actively engaged in seeking to escape the city of destruction? And are you actively seeking the narrow path to follow Jesus, no matter where it takes you, no matter how painful? Are you willing to follow Jesus on the narrow path into the valley of humiliation and cast aside your pride? Where did you come from? Where are you going? I came from the city of destruction, which is the place of all evil. And I'm going to the city of Zion. Well, by your answer, I perceive, the devil said, that you are one of my subjects. For all of that country is mine. And I am the prince and God of it. How is it that you have run away from your king? Were it not for the fact that I wish you to enter into my service again, I would strike you to the ground with one blow. See, the devil will never come and confront you with these questions if you're just a church attender, if you're just religious. If there's no fire, if there's no passion for Jesus, if there's no hungering after him, if there's no reading of the scriptures, if you are comfortable with your world and with your lifestyle and you are comfortable with your worldly place of worship, the devil will never come and ask you these questions. It's only when you set your face like flint toward heaven and you're willing to go into a place of humility where your job doesn't matter anymore. With being recognized and being important doesn't matter anymore. Where having the boss look with favor on you doesn't matter anymore. You are after only one person. His name is Jesus. Then the devil comes and he attacks. Christian responds, Indeed, I was born in your dominion. But your service was hard. And a man cannot live on the wages you pay, for the wages of sin is death. Therefore, when I grew into a greater understanding, may I put it another way, when I finally got it in my head that if I continued on the path I was on, I was going to die and I would miss heaven. 
You don't pay well, Satan. It has the appearance of good pay, but it's worthless for eternity. He says, I did as other thoughtful persons have done. I searched to see if there was a way to make myself into the person that I should be. To that Apollyon, or the devil, protested, There is no prince who will so easily lose his subjects, nor will I lose you. But since you complained about your service and your wages, be content to go back. What our country can afford, I promise I will give to you. But Christian boldly proclaimed, But I have given myself to another, even to the king of princes. So how can I, in fairness, go back to you? As the proverb says, you have changed a bad for a worse, the devil said. But it is very common for those who have professed themselves his servants to give him the slip after a while and return to me. Have you given Jesus the slip and gone back to the devil? If you're casual and laid back, if your primary focus is on your success in the world, if your primary focus is on being comfortable in the world, you have given Jesus the slip if you ever did belong to him. Please, we must wake up and understand that the devil is after our soul. We must awaken from the slumber and make certain that our lamps have oil to take us through. We must waken. We must awaken now. For the bridegroom is coming. The wedding is almost ready. Jesus is coming again. All of the things happening in our world point to the coming of Jesus Christ in power and authority. They all point to the coming of the Antichrist power. They all point to the utter destruction of this wicked world. Have you awakened? Or are you going along to get along, content to talk about the intellectual subjects, content to rest in what you think you know, but your heart is stretched out toward money and recognition and a comfortable lifestyle? If so, you must awaken. Christian said, I have given Jesus my faith and have sworn my allegiance to him. How can I change my mind now without being hanged as a traitor? You did the same to me, and yet I'm willing to let it pass if you'll now return to me, said the devil. Christian replied, what I promised you was done in ignorance. And besides, I believe that the prince under whose banner I now stand is able to absolve me and to pardon me for those things I did while in your service. Besides, O oh, you destroying Apollyon, to speak truth, I like the service of Jesus. His wages, his servants, his government, his company, his country are far better than yours. You can stop trying to persuade me otherwise. I am his servant, and I will follow him. The great problem we face is that we, have us, we as Americans have been lulled to sleep by the culture of America, by modernity. We have been lulled to sleep to accept things we would never have accepted just a few years ago. 
there was a day when the doors of sexual uncleanness, the lust for money, the doors of wickedness were all nailed shut. And then I watched through the 60s as those doors were pried open. Just ajar a a little bit. Today, every door of wickedness stands open. Hollywood invites you into every wicked movie. Hollywood produces a constant stream of of articles and videos and invitations to participate in the darkest kind of sin. Television is a vile flood of darkness. The internet, for the most part, is a vile flood of darkness. Facebook, a vile cauldron of illicit and wicked relationships. Voyeurism, at the worst, And Jesus has had his voice drowned out by the clamor of the devil. Apollyon then states, Consider again when you have cooled down that you are likely to meet up with on the way you have chosen. You know that for the most part his servants came to an ill end because they are transgressors against me and my ways. Think how many of them have been put to shameful deaths. Besides, you count his service better than mine, and yet he has never come out of the place where he dwells to deliver from my hands any who served him. But as for me, how many times, as the whole world very well known, I have delivered from him, and his, either by power or fraud, those who have faithfully served men. Likewise, I will deliver you. That's what the devil says. You need money. You need fame. You need success. You need to prove that you're somebody. And the devil's willing to help you prove all of that. As one man said to me, When I follow Jesus, I can't have the women I want. I can't go to the strip clubs I want. I cannot go to the erotic massage houses that I want to go to. When I serve Jesus, I can't smoke the hookah. When I serve Jesus, I can't go the way of enjoyment and fun with my friends. I can't get drunk. On and on, his list of all he couldn't do. I said to him, my friend, all of the things you've just told me lead to absolute misery and sickness and danger. But if you will follow Jesus... He will wash you and make you clean. He will remove the sin from your heart and bring his peace into your life. By his blood, he will wash you. He will include you in his family. He will give you work to do that will be completely satisfying to your soul. He will make you rich in every way. And he will finally carry you safely into that heavenly palace, into heaven. Polyon continues. He will either by fraud Or by those who faithfully serve me, I will deliver you. The devil is a liar, a thief, 
He will never deliver you to life. He will only deliver you to death. Apollyon. I have not been unfaithful to Jesus. And Apollyon counters, you almost fainted when you first set out. You almost choked in the swamp of despond. You also attempted to get rid of your burden in the wrong way instead of patiently waiting for the prince to take it off. You sinfully slept and lost your scroll. You were almost persuaded to go back at the sight of the lions, and when you talk of your journey and of what you have heard and seen, you inwardly desire your own glory in all you do and say. Yes, all of this is true, and much more that that, I, that you have failed to mention, Apollyon. Yes, said Christian. But the prince whom I now serve and honor is merciful and will forgive me. Besides, these infirmities possessed me, which I, which I had when I was in your country, for there I allowed them to come in. But I have groaned under them and have been sorry for them and have obtained pardon from my prince. When you make a decision to serve Jesus alone. The devil will come after you like a roaring lion, and he will say every kind of lie to you, but it will have a mixture of truth. And he will say to you, you know you don't deserve to follow Jesus. You know you're a sinner. You know you can never be successful in dropping sin from your life. You know you're nobody. And he will make every accusation against you. And all of them will be true. We are nobody. We are nobody. We have failed Jesus time after time. We have turned our back upon him. We have given way to lust and anger and bitterness. We have given way to a desire to make money. We have been caught with gold fever. All of that is true. But the blood of Jesus is more powerful than my sin. And by faith in Jesus Christ, all of these sins are forgiven and removed from my heart. The Jesus I serve is willing to receive you today just the way you are, but he will not leave you the way you are. He will change and transform you into his likeness. Christ in us, the hope of glory. But it will be a battle. It is a war. You are not going to coast into heaven. You are going to have to fight for your life. And the fight will be, will you or will you not surrender and allow Jesus Christ to come and circumcise your heart and remove from you those things that you love in your flesh. A word of warning. Jesus will take many things that you now love, but he will bring to you such peace and joy and resurrection power that those things that you think you love in your sin will look to you later as tawdry and ugly tinsel with no depth and no meaning. I'm going to open our phone lines. We have time for couple very quick calls. Oh, I just got the five-minute warning. We have time for one call. Our phone number is 877-534-0780. Can I pray for you today? 
Are you ready to leave your sin? Are you ready to say, Jesus, I'll engage in the battle. I will go into the valley of humiliation, and I will not return until I have won the battle with the devil by your power. That's where I am today. I am in the valley of humiliation. I am fighting every attack the devil is pressing against me. And I am fighting those battles by turning absolutely everything the Holy Spirit calls me to give up, I have given up. Everything he has told me to turn over to him, I have turned over to him. I am trusting the blood of Jesus today to finish the work of righteousness in my heart that he can now fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit. Where are you in this journey? Many of you want to listen and then go your way. But I urge you not to do that. I urge you to come and at least visit the prayer chapel and begin to listen to a whole congregation as they walk through the Valley of Humiliation. We don't have the best children's program. We don't have all the nice groups. We don't have all the entertainment of the modern church. We're simply a people who've chosen to humble our hearts before God and seek the face of Jesus. I invite you to come. On Tuesday night, we have prayer and sharing. And on Sunday, we have worship together. We meet at the All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. The address is 14851 Gideon Drive. That's 14851 Gideon Drive. Or go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. We meet on Tuesday evening at 6.30, prayer, 7.30, begin sharing. And we meet at 12 noon on Sundays. Now let's pray. Almighty God, I lift up the name of Jesus over every person listening to this broadcast today, and I ask for the power of your Spirit to be released to bring conviction and passion to the hearts of the listeners. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you, my brother my sister. I'll talk to you soon. Before the presence of His glory With great joy With great joy Now unto Him who is able To keep you from falling And to present you blameless Before the presence of His glory With